Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We're continuing our study of the book of Hebrews this morning. And as you remember from the past several sermons, that the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 speaks of the true nature of faith, and then throughout this chapter gives examples of faith from Old Testament believers. So last week we talked about Abel and his faith, and this week we move on to Enoch. Enoch. And Enoch is a character in the Bible that we find in chapter 5 of the book of Genesis. As you read through chapter 5 of Genesis, there is one phrase that we should be struck by that occurs over and over and over again, and it helps us to understand Enoch. And the phrase is, he died. You see, God had warned Adam that if he broke covenant, by disobeying God's law, that he would bring death to himself and to all of his children following him. Chapter 5 is the genealogy of Adam's line through his son, Seth. And in chapter 5, we read over and over again of Adam, and he died, of Seth, and he died, of Enosh, and he died, of Canaan, and he died, of Mahalalel, and he died, of Jared, and he died. Over and over and over again, a reminder of the curse that was brought upon humanity by sin. Now, sometimes when we read through Genesis chapter 5, we marvel at the extraordinary lifespan of these men, men who lived hundreds and hundreds of years. However, the main theological point in Genesis chapter 5 is not that these men lived many years. Rather, it is that creatures who were made to live for eternity die. Yet right in the midst of this genealogy, there is a break. We come to a man named Enoch, son of Jared. And we read this. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now we know very little about this man, Enoch, besides what is written in these few verses. Twice we are told that he walked with God and then God took him. In the book of Hebrews, we learn that this phrase, God took him, means that Enoch did not taste death, but rather was taken into the very presence of God without passing through the veil of death. Elijah, who was taken up by a chariot of fire, is the only other person of whom we know that was spared death. As you can imagine, much has been written and speculated concerning the nature of Enoch's life, 
Many ancient books were written in his name or about his life. But the only authoritative teaching we have is what the Bible says here in Genesis and a few references in the New Testament. It's not up to us to make up backstories or even to speculate about the nature of how he was taken or how he exists at this moment in heaven. Rather, what we are to see is the very clear teaching concerning the life of this man. Enoch had faith to walk with God, and therefore the Lord blessed him with everlasting life. Enoch can seem a very special case. Only one of two men not to taste physical death. And yet the book of Hebrews sets him forward as an example of what it means to live by faith. An example of the reward for those who are willing to live by faith. For the promise of God's word is not only to Enoch, but is to all of us. That if we would walk by faith, we too will receive the reward of everlasting life. For the Lord Jesus promises, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And this is what we will see in our passage for this morning. That those who walk with God through faith in Jesus Christ will never truly die. Yes, Enoch and Elijah had extraordinary circumstances surrounding their departure from this earthly life, and yet the example of Enoch still applies to us as well. The ultimate reward is the same for all who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sting of death removed and life everlasting. So hear now the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verses 1 through 6. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we come to you now in this time and we seek to draw near to you. We ask, O Lord, that you would give to us the grace to have the assurance of things hoped for, to have the conviction of things not seen, that we may take hold of the promise that is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. 
Now, I think that it's somewhat amazing that in the two verses from Genesis 5 that speak of Enoch, twice we read that he walked with God. The statements that follow about his being taken by God are so incredible that we want more details. We want more to be told to us about what happened and how it is that he was taken up to heaven. However, the Holy Spirit inspired Moses not to go into the specifics of Enoch's life and departure, but rather to place the attention squarely on the most important aspect of his life, that he walked with God. But what does it mean that he walked with God? This phrase can seem a little bit obscure to us, and we can wonder, how is it that anyone could walk with God? Throughout the Bible, we see these pictures of God spoken of with human attributes to teach us something about God. In the Bible, we are told of the arm of the Lord, which speaks of his strength. The Bible speaks of the apple of God's eye, which is his affection and his love towards his people. The Bible even speaks of God's nose growing hot, which means his anger towards sin. And here we read in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked with God. But what does that mean? Well, we see from the book of Hebrews that Enoch walking with God means that he pleased God in the way that he lived his life. Hebrews 11.5. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. These phrases, walked with God and pleased with God, are used in a parallel way. There wasn't some other source that our author to the Hebrews knew about. Rather, the faithful interpreters of God's word understood that to walk with God meant to live in a manner that was pleasing to him. They understood when Genesis 5 says that Enoch walked with God, it meant that Enoch lived by faith. And it is this example of faith that we are given to emulate. To walk with God as Enoch walked with God. To please God as Enoch pleased God. To draw near to God as Enoch drew near to God is the example that we are given. And the first way that we are given to please God, to draw near to God, is to know the one true God. Look at verse 6, where the author to the Hebrews now comes to this conclusion after this brief mention of Enoch. He says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. If we would walk with God, we must know who we are walking with. We must know and believe in the one true God of the Bible. Our English translations of verse 6 makes it seem as though what is being said here is this bare belief in the existence of God, and that is all that is needed to walk by faith. However, the author has much more in mind than just believing that there is a God. A more wooden translation of this verse gets us a closer understanding of the point that's being made, for he says that we must believe that God 
is. This is a clear allusion to the unique revelation of God in Scripture. To the God who appeared to Moses and when asked His name said, I am who I am. In the book of Deuteronomy, when the people of God are told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Or in the prophet Isaiah, I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. You see, if we would please God, if we would walk with God, if we would draw near to Him, then we must know and believe in the one true God revealed in Scripture. We must believe in Him who is. You see, the world is very open to the idea of believing in a God, but it's not pleasing to the Lord for any of us to believe in someone or something that is different than Him. It's not pleasing to the Lord to believe in an idol of our own making. But every human being has this tendency, and we need to see it in ourselves. We all have a tendency to fashion God after our own image. We want to have a God who fits all of our preconceived notions of what it is that the deity should be and do. And we're willing to follow our God because it just seems to happen that He goes the way that we want Him to go. And so we have multitudes who say that they believe a God exists, but He is nothing like the one true God. You see, to please God, you must drop all of your preconceived notions of who He is and in humility accept that God is not known through our sinful imaginations, but through His Word. And I ask you, are you willing to walk with the God who is and not the God who you wish He is? It is not pleasing to God for you to create an image of who He is that is different from who He has revealed Himself to be any more than it is pleasing to your wife or to your husband if you are in love with somebody that they are not. For your love must be directed towards the reality of who God is, if you would please Him. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. This is how we walk by faith. We turn from our thoughts of who God is and we follow His thoughts revealed in Scripture. This means to walk with God in faith, we must be serious in our study of God's Word, spending time each day reading or listening to His Word. We must be students of theology, seeking to understand more deeply who God truly is. A few months ago, I challenged our congregation to begin serious study of the Confession and the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and I have heard of small groups that have been getting together and they've been studying it. Our Club 56 group, I've heard of how they are getting deep in learning the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Our 5th and 6th graders, so some of our elders, you guys need to get on board here. Our middle schoolers are doing it. But we need to learn who God 
truly is if we would please Him. To walk with God by faith means that we must know Him as He is and not as we imagine Him to be. Now, there are few ways of getting to know someone better than traveling with them. Usually when you travel, there's lots of time to talk and get to know them. You learn what is important to your traveling companion, what is going on in their life and in their family. You're often placed in stressful situations as well, and you get to know someone very quickly when their luggage is lost or when their hotel room has been given to somebody else. When you travel together, you learn your companion's weird quirks. You learn their odd nighttime routines and the foods that they will not eat. And this we must understand, that if we would walk with the Lord, we must come to know Him as our traveling companion. Now, when we read of Enoch in isolation from the rest of Genesis 5, we might think that he had a wondrously long earthly life. It says that he lived 365 years. That's more than twice, maybe more than three times as long as anyone here is going to live. However, such things as length of life are relative. 200 years ago, life expectancy was less than 40 years old. 100 years ago, it was around 54 years. Today, it's 79 years. If someone died in their mid-50s in the 1920s, that was normal. Today, it would be seen as a tragedy. They were expected to have at least 25 more years. Now, Enoch's father lived 962 years. His son, Methuselah, the longest recorded life that we have, lived 969 years. That means that Enoch lived about a third of his life expectancy, and then the Lord took him. It was probably not the expected path. It was not the norm, but it was the way that God led Enoch to depart his earthly life far sooner than he might have expected or even wanted. But to walk by faith, we are called to go the way that is different than what we would choose on our own. Look at verse 6 of our passage again. There we see that if we would walk by faith, we must pursue this way of God. Again, it says, without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You see, to walk by faith, to walk with God means that we must turn from our ways and seek His ways. For God's path is not the way that we would naturally follow. It is the way of humility is the way of the cross, is the way of submission to Him and obedience to His Word. Sometimes we imagine that becoming a Christian means inviting God to come along with you on your journey. You have goals for your life, you have a plan of how things are going to play out, 
And you think, well, it might be nice to have God come along with my journey. It would be nice if God were on the ride. Come along and bless what I am planning on doing. But that is not at all what it means to follow Christ. To walk by faith means that we seek after God and His way. It means that we are led by God on the path that He would have for us. It means that we are willing to abandon all of our plans, to abandon all of our aspirations and all of our dreams and walk the path that our shepherd is leading us down, believing that even if we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death for a season, ultimately he is taking us to the still waters and the green pastures. Many of you are familiar with the music of Jenny Owens. She is a Christian artist who has won multiple awards, performed at the White House, the National Day of Prayer, an adjunct professor of music at Belmont University. Yet all of her accomplishments did not come according to the way that we might expect. She was born with a degenerative eye disease that left her blind at the age of three. And yet her blindness, though not the path that she or her parents would have chosen for her, did not keep her from following the Lord's call upon her life to write and to perform music for His glory. In one of her most powerful pieces, she sings of what it means to follow the Lord in faith. For she says, The pathway is broken and the signs are unclear, and I don't know the reason why you have brought me here. But just because you love me the way that you do, I'm going to walk through the valley if you want me to. So when the whole world turns against me and I'm all by myself and I can't hear you answer my cries for help, I'll remember the suffering your love put you through and I will go through the valley if you want me to. In a live performance of this song, she ad-libs, I will walk through the darkness if you want me to. And that's what it means to walk by faith. That is how you seek God. That is how you please God. When you are willing to follow the path that He calls you to without condition. To say, I'll walk through the darkness if you want me to. I'll walk through the chronic pain if you want me to. I'll walk through the prodigal child. I'll walk through the temptation. I'll walk through the financial hardship. I'll walk through the relational rejection. I'll walk through the cancer. I'll walk through the loss of a father. I'll walk through the loss of my wife or my child if that's what you want me to do, God. And though I might not understand it, and I not understand why you are taking me through this valley, I will submit to you without condition because your way is better than my way. The Lord Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is what it means to walk by faith, to seek the path that God has for you without condition. 
For to walk by faith, you must know the one true God. To walk by faith and please Him, you must seek His path. And the third thing that we will see in our text is that if we would walk by faith, we must desire the destination. Again, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Now we can get a little uncomfortable as Reformed folks, as Protestant folks, as we begin to speak of rewards from God. Sounds a little too close to works-based approach to salvation, right? If I work hard for the Lord, then He's going to reward me for my efforts. And yet that is not what this verse is seeking to communicate to us. In reality, it's saying the opposite. To understand what I mean, we need to go back to Jesus' words that we just read from Matthew 16. What it means to follow the Lord in faith. It says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you want the reward of life? then lose your life. Turn from your works. Because whoever is willing to give up his life in this world for the sake of Christ will ultimately find eternal life in the world that is to come. A works-based view of reward is that we earn our way to God through good deeds or through our sacrifices. But the gospel says we are rewarded not for our good deeds and sacrifice, but rather for the sake of Christ's good deeds and his sacrifice. The gospel tells us that Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience before the Father, that he walked with God, and then he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for sin, cleansing all of his people through the shedding of his blood, through his death, and winning for them the reward of heaven. And how do we receive this reward of eternal life? Through faith, through desiring eternal life more than earthly life and trusting that if we give up our earthly good deeds and we turn and put our trust in Jesus, then we will be those that receive the eternal reward of heavenly life. In verse 5 of our text, we read of Enoch By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. You see, we cannot take ourselves up to heaven by our works any more than Enoch could have taken himself up to heaven. It is the work of God for those who look to him in faith. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, Enoch is one of only two people to have said to have not seen death, Elijah being the other. And the logic that is present in this verse is God rewarded Enoch with eternal life because Enoch walked with God by faith. But Christian, this is the same promise that's made to you. The author to the Hebrews didn't bring up Enoch for no reason, just for curiosity's sake, saying, hey, look at Enoch, that's weird. Okay, let's move on. No, he said, look at Enoch. Follow his example. He was taken up to heaven 
not by his works, but because he had faith in God and his faith in God pleased him. Look to Enoch and see a man who follows the path of faith that we are called to follow, to give up this earthly life and to desire the reward that he gained eternal life in God's presence. And you need to ask yourself, do I desire that destination? If you're going to follow God, if you're going to go the path that He has called you to go, then you have to desire the destination where He is taking you. Do you love God more than this earthly life? Are you desiring to be spared the sting of death, to be present with God for all eternity? Do you desire life with God more than life on earth? This is how we walk by faith. We desired the destination of eternal life more than earthly life, believing that the glory of what is to come is not even worth comparing to what we currently experience, and to trust that the path we walk currently is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. This doesn't mean that we're seeking to die. Rather, we are seeking to live in Christ, to live in His Word, to live in in prayer, to live in the midst of His body where we are fed through fellowship and through the sacrament, abandoning our thoughts for His thoughts, abandoning our ways for His ways, abandoning our desires for His reward, knowing that it will lead to life. This is how we are to walk by faith, to know the one true God, to follow the one true God, to desire the one true God. For the ultimate reward that we are seeking is not wealth or honor or pleasure. The true reward that we are seeking is Christ Himself. And when we cross that veil and we enter the reward we seek, there we will finally see our Savior face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Well, Father God, we come to you now in this time and we ask, O oh Lord, we call out to you that you would give us the grace to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to see the incredible promise that those who place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him in faith, that the sting of death is taken away. And we will be with you for all eternity. That though we die, yet shall we live. We go forward trusting this promise of life everlasting. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.